0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome everyone to this EM360 podcast where we'll have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Elias Caravella. I'm the founder and principal analyst at ZK Research and I'll be your host on this podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Jason Dover, Chief Product Officer at FileCloud, and we're here to discuss connecting your content, collaboration, and security strategy. Uh, Jason, welcome to the podcast, and uh, uh, just a quick bio on yourself.
1: Hey, Zias, great to uh, get a chance to chat with you again. It's been a while, so ha- happy to be here on on the show. Um, yeah, so I'm Chief Product Officer here at uh, FileCloud. My background is in enterprise IT and technology. Worked quite a bit in, in the financial industry. Then I transitioned over to the technology vendor space. I worked for the last decade or so across a variety of marketing strategy and product jobs. And uh, in this latest stint, I'm working here with FileCloud, uh,
0: driving forward our enterprise file sharing and sync strategy. Yeah, and it's an interesting topic, right? Connecting your content collaboration and security strategy. Historically, the two were adjacent technologies, I suppose, but people didn't often put them together. We'll be talking about that, but when you think of the world of enterprise file storage, right? It's a—it's certainly not a new industry, but it's gone through a lot of change uh, over the last uh, decade or so. So can you just talk about what trends uh, have been shaping and involving the overall content and collaboration space uh, over the, you know, for the last few years?
1: Yeah, sure. I'd say it's, it's certainly in a, in a state of flux, right? One of the, the trends that have come up in the last several years are people looking to adopt some of the standards and approaches that you would find in in public cloud ecosystems and start to bring them on-premises as well into private cloud? And this is driving part of the modernization. So you see as an example, uh, things like object storage starting to leverage S3 connected with application modernization projects so that your on-premises apps and services look a bit more like what people became familiar with and, and Amazon, right? And AWS and Google and so forth. That's certainly one of the things that we see a lot of the customers that we are engaging with. We're engaging with them because they're trying to modernize their, uh, their ecosystem. I think another trend that we're seeing a lot is that of a, a focus from office of the CIO on trying to get more insights out of the data and the content that you have right? And, and not just from structured data sources, but now also from unstructured data sources, which historically have been a bit more difficult and a bit more challenging. So this is driving customers to get a good inventory, get an understanding of what content you actually have inside of your environment such that you can stru- start to extract intelligence in a systematic way. And this is what's driving people to start to move from Maybe somewhat of a a, a willy nilly heterogeneous approach to a more homogenous solution based approach on how they actually organize their unstructured data within their environment. Um, Of course, you can't forget, you know, work from home and remote work. We're well past the experimental phase. This is a thing, right? It's it's here to stay. It's how organizations typically are going to operate. So this also brings in yet another kind of dimension of complexity. I need to make it easy for my folks to access the content and the data that they need, regardless of where they sit. I need them to be able to collaborate on that internally as well as with external partners. I also am likely, like everyone, increasing the amount of data and files and content that I have. So I've got this very, very wide surface area and I have to manage all that. And that's ultimately where the point you mentioned in, at the outset around security uh, comes into play, where it's not just a file SAE systems admin conversation anymore. When you're considering how you're organizing your file system and your ecosystem, it's, it's now a security conversation. Because w- what are threat actors after in the first place? It's not just to hijack the environment, ultimately it's to get at your files and your data and your content. And so that's where thinking about this through a lens of security becomes more important. I think the last piece of one of the core trends is of course now also with with AI and how can AI be leveraged to help to either monetize the data that you have hidden within your file and ecosystem. um, And also how do you leverage AI again for securing things right so how do i make sure that i understand what i have in the infrastructure apply the right policies and so forth these are the types of things that we're seeing customers uh, bring to the conversations we're having with them o- o- of late
0: yeah let, let's touch on some of those points uh, let's start with ai and uh, we'll have a separate conversation on generative ai in a bit but it, it's interesting since you know chat gpt launched everyone's been ai crazy but in fact, companies like yourself have been using AI in these products for quite some time, correct? And uh, can you describe like h- how AI has changed the broader industry for for companies like yourself? You know the way the way that we look at it is
1: is maybe somewhat different than some organizations. We look at AI as one tool of many tools that can be leveraged to help solve specific challenges, right? We don't think that AI is going to solve all of technology's problems. No different than cloud, virtualization, containerization, software-defined X, et cetera, right? These are tools that have their appropriate applications. Now, of course, because of how fast AI has the potential of change and of evolution, I think that we will see the curve happen a lot quicker than some of the previous trends that have happened within the IT landscape. But in general, we say this is one tool, it has its application, we wanna make it available for our customers to leverage in the right places, right? And so there's kind of two dimensions that we think about it as we look forward at our, at our portfolio. One is how we leverage AI to connect with the broader ecosystem, right? So you take as an example, A common scenario and set of actions that people leverage products like ours for, which is classification of content. So I've got all this distributed data on premises and the cloud and hosted environments. I also may have requirements for being uh, compliant with certain standards, be it from the government or because of the industry that I operate in or because of the region that I operate in. And so I need to understand what's the actual content that I have. Do I have content that, as an example, contains sensitive data, my own sensitive IP, a sensitive IP of my users, sensitive IP of my employees, and similar things. Now there's multiple approaches. You could have a set of administrators that's tagged with looking at all the content and tagging it. Uh, you can write complex rules and develop basic scripts for classifying and analyzing net content. Another thing you could do is leverage a large language model that can do that far more efficiently of looking through the content that you have inside of the environment, tagging it appropriately, and then helping to apply the right policies on how that content is handled. As an example, don't share anything that has social security numbers. Fairly simple use case, but you can imagine how that can get more complex. So that's that's kind of one aspect. And in fact, we have some capabilities along those lines coming up in our next product release that we're right at the precipice of launching. Now, the second aspect of how we think about AI in the product is how do we use AI to make the core of the product itself smarter, right? So you may think as an example, again, that you have someone that is sharing a piece of content or sharing a file with someone else. Well, if I can actually interpret what the intent is, I may be able to make recommendations to that end user about other pieces of content that are related that also should possibly be shared. And perhaps if if that person says, yes, I want to do that, well, I can leverage AI to now go ahead and make some decisions to facilitate making the right content available for whatever the end purpose that you're trying to do is. right? So those are some examples of the types of things that we're thinking about for uh, the future as well. With, with our latest iteration, we allow an, an end user to connect their file cloud deployment with uh, OpenAI. Uh, in future, we're gonna be looking at things such as on-premises, large language models as well, uh, that allows for organizations that have to keep everything inside the boundaries of their firewall. But we certainly see AI as having a core kind of role as we think about the future, right? Again, if we go back to the security angle, right? Well, threat actors are leveraging AI. So if you want to be able to protect your environment, it only makes sense that you fight fire with fire. We think about the analogy of, you know, snake, right? Well, you need need the venom to make anti-venom, and that's kind of how we think about it. And so, as we progress our roadmap, we're going to be looking at ways at how we can leverage AI more in the core of the product to help our customers protect their
0: data and content. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I think I do think a lot of IT pros. I don't want to say it's naive, but I guess you're stuck in the old ways of doing things where <laughs> they're still trying to you know fight security and you know ward off the bad guys using a lot of old manual methods and uh, you know old school tools. And I agree with the fight fire with fire. If the threat actor is using AI, the only way you can combat it is with AI. And I've, I've often likened it, especially with your data, right? Finding that, you know, that bad piece of data is like finding a, it's a needle in a stack of needles. So now staying on the topic of generative AI, what's the uh, potential that that brings to allow people to just interact with data differently? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think it's kind of twofolded at least,
1: right? There's probably even multiple dimensions to it, but let, let's stick with two for a second. If we think about the content life cycle, right? well, the f- the first part starts with with authoring content, right? Uh, if we think today, customers have a very wide range of tools that they ultimately have to try to bring together in some sort of systematic way, right? from from getting content generated, making sure it gets in the right place, making sure that the policies around it are controlled appropriately. The office of the CIO and CSO has to then make sure that that content that everyone's generating is only in the right hands, right? Because regardless of whether you've created this in Evernote or locally on your desktop or wherever, it's enterprise data and I'm responsible for it, right? As centralized IT. And so when we think about that overarching life cycle, where where I think the opportunity comes from is ultimately consolidation, right? We we know that in various branches of IT, we go through these models of distributed technologies and then back to much more consolidation. I think we're going to see a trend moving back towards consolidation because it comes to control, right? Shadow IT is kind of out of control today right, down at the at the user level but also at the IT level it's it's far too easy for someone to simply swipe a credit card and, and now start sending your data externally right to services that are processing them and, and and ultimately the the CIO has has no idea what's going on so I think that we will start to see solutions much more for delivering on-premises AI based services. Uh, with agents that are distributed across the ecosystem that helps with the centralized AT departments getting more control. And I think that that's important. It's not that you don't want to make services and capabilities available, but you have to ultimately be able to to manage risk. I think it's in this space that we'll start to see some of those things happening. Just to use an analogy, solutions like what we offer, well, one of the core purposes of them is to make it really, really easy for your end users to be able to share content, even potentially externally, no different than you would get from any number of cloud services that lets you right-click a file and share out a link. The point is I make that available for my end users, but I'm doing that with an overlay of control and of governance and of management and awareness so i think that with the leveraging of generative ai and related technologies it will become far easier for generating intelligence and insights out of the content that you have inside of your ecosystem making it easier for your different departments to manage their own content life cycle including when things need to be published but you'll have controls for central it to make sure you're not doing anything that's too risky for for the company. And that's broadly how we think about the future. That's how we centering our go forward direction is how do we make sure that IT is able to have the right controls and ensure that your data and your content only winds up in the
0: right hands. And and I think um, the ability to interact with the data differently is pretty exciting too because if you think historically, if I've got some data and I want to do some analysis on it, I'd have to hire likely a team of people to go do that the, that analytics for me, and that could take weeks, you know, days, weeks sometimes. And uh, now with with Gen AI, we'd like to get your thoughts on this. It should speed that whole process up, right? And e- even though we're not we don't know what we're looking for, we can just prod it and ask some questions, and then eventually be able to drill down on what we want. Am I thinking about that correctly? Yeah, I agree with that as well.
1: It's very easy if you've played with some of the models to throw some sample data out of it, and, and sometimes you get some surprising uh, insights back. We're even looking at how do we leverage that in some of our internal processes and teams as well. And as we mentioned earlier, there is a big drive towards how do I get business insights out of my unstructured data sources as well. And so we certainly see this as one of the areas where GenAI is going to be leveraged more of making it easy to get those insights out of your unstructured data source. You know, look at the last two years of presentations we've prepared for the board, right? What was the underlying message that we were highlighting there? And now look at these other data sources and reports that I have. How are we actually comparing to what we said we were going to do from a qualitative perspective, right? Those are the types of things that historically you would have had to just assign an analyst to go and do for you. There, there will be some ways where this can be Gen AI-assisted, uh, at least. You think about survey data where you have free-form text and you have already things such as being able to extract sentiment, as an example. Well, This will give another dimension for organizations that are trying to understand the health of their employee base, their current state, how are the, the processes and the initiative that we launched Having an impact on the quality of employee experience and, and things like that. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest value props. And it already is happening is being able to extrapolate insights out of your, your unstructured data sources in far easier ways than you historically have not having to hire a team of, of DBAs and analysts to, to do
0: that. Yeah, that's, that's uh, really exciting. Now, uh, we had talked about, the, in fact, the, the podcast called Connecting Your Content Collaboration Security Strategy. And as, as companies have done that, have you found that they're thinking about their content collaboration a little differently? And what I mean by that is historically, you might have had one tool to do the, the files and can share and another one to do the compliance or another, you know? And so the, this concept I've thought about is the content collaboration lifecycle, if you will, especially as we're going to bring security and needs to actually uh, not just become something companies are thinking about, but they're actually doing. And can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Just starting kind of at the top, as, as we engage with customers, we certainly
1: see uh, more occasions where, representatives from the office of the CISO are in the room, right? And they're part of the conversation. As we review RFPs, there typically is a a huge section now that's dedicated to security and dedicated to compliance. So we're certainly starting to see that. And historically, that was probably
0: never the case, right? Where you would actually have a a CISO with you.
1: Yeah, I would say this, this is a, a newer emerging trend yeah. and it's coming from this recognition that, well, this is your most valuable asset, right? Is your, yeah. is your content that you have in your environment. And so any system you're, you're entrusting it to, you have to make sure that it meets the, the, the policies of your ecosystem and aligns with your security risk tolerance levels there. So we're certainly seeing that. As you just mentioned a moment ago, compliance as well is also converging quite a bit, right? Because more and more organizations are now coming under an umbrella where they have to be compliant. Elsewise, there's going to be some sort of financial implications, right? And of course, you have things like HIPAA, you have GDPR, but then you also have state uh, level things happening in, in the Americas and also in nation states within the EU uh, and the Middle East, where if you want to do business in that part of the, the world or you want to do business in a specific industry there, you have to be compliant, right? Same thing we see here uh, in, in the states of organizations that are doing business with the government and handling certain types of unclassified data where, where they have to be required compliant with various NIST certifications, uh, perhaps CMMC, and the like. So that's certainly driving it. And you can tick a lot of boxes on these various standards by simply uh, managing and deploying and configuring your file management ecosystem in the right way. And so we see customers engaging with us and, and looking to see how we can help them meet those standards now of course there's other things with how you manage IT overall, other parts of your your physical infrastructure, access to the data centers, etc and so it, it's part of this more holistic initiative but there's a good percentage that you can cover off just by how you're managing access which which is also then why we're seeing the drive to more towards more, integration with the ecosystem, right? So integration with your your SIM system so that you're surfacing early indicators to potential issues, perhaps to to ransomware or other attacks that's trying to be exploited, right? Uh, we even see sometimes customers looking to see how they can connect the dots with their XDR or their MDR systems as, as well so that they can, again, enrich what's happening in the environment and where there's early warning signs with how this is actually connecting to potential access to uh, to, their, to their data system as well. And of course, integration with your authentication and identity systems, right? That's a huge problem that organizations have that, okay, you cut off access to an employee that's exited as an example, but you have these systems that have their own authentication system set up, right? So ensuring that when I cut off uh, the system for Jim, because he's left and he's irate, he loses access to everything, right? And so connecting those dots are certainly things that we see customers trying to do uh, more and more of.
0: Yeah, thanks. Uh, that was uh, fascinating. This And what that tells me is this, uh, for people that really haven't looked at the space in a while, it's certainly not your, you know, your father's uh, content collaboration platform anymore. And that's uh, i think that's one big takeaway here uh, just one last question jason uh, with all the you know the the shift to the cloud and gen ai and the integration of security uh, with all that happening and other trends coming where do you see the future of enterprise file storage put on your look into your crystal ball and, and tell us where, where this is going
1: that's a good question it's something i do spend a lot of time thinking about if i, if I think about the future i first look look back at the past, right? And and back at the past at how different areas of of technology have have matured and morphed. And what typically happens is that you wind up with the the features and the interfaces eventually evolving into being the underlying part of the infrastructure, the invisible part of the technology. And and I think that's what will happen over time here as well. Right, right now, we're, we're very fixed into how you know file systems are set up and data stores and, and so forth. And that's kind of a core part of what customers are looking at when they're trying to do some project. Over time, I think those things will matter a lot less, even as it's being talked about of how mobile apps at some point may Uh, look a lot different than what they do today. And what I think will happen is that when someone's interacting with a system, let's just say, they're going to define their intent of what they're trying to do, what they're trying to find out, all they're going to be concerned with is getting the results. Uh, Whether that's in a file that exists in a a local share on my Windows server over here, or it exists in an Azure uh, S3 bucket over there, matters a lot less. And all that really matters is, are you surfacing the right content that's answering the question that I have, right? Now, of course, that infrastructure has to exist, no different than there's a lot of physical servers and infrastructure and cabling for the cloud. You talk about the cloud as it being this, this, this kind of a fluffy thing that's there, and it, it, it just kind of sits there above us. But really, there's a lot of tin and electricity and so forth. And, and it's going to take the same thing from vendors like us to make this possible, but what I think the world looks like in the future is that enterprise customers will get to care less about how the underlying glue all fits together, and they'll be able to focus a lot more on just surfacing the, the content that meets their, their end users' requests. Uh, that, that's kind of how I think about the future. And of course, with that, security is going to be a, a core part of it, because I need to ensure that responses to whatever requests are being put forth well those responses need to only go to people who actually have access and to people who are authorized to get those to get those answers that's going to have to all come together there's a lot of work to do <laughs> a lot of prospects but that's how we kind of kind of think about what the future looks like
0: well that is pretty exciting though the ability to just interact with data as you need it instead of going through the painstaking methodologies we go through today so but i also know that uh, we've all experienced i think hallucinations and you know, deep fakes and things like that. So from a corporate standpoint, having that done with your data could be particularly damaging. So, the, you know, thanks, thanks for the, uh, a little bit of a peek into the future there as to where this is going. Uh, all right, Jason. So that was uh, my last question. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming on. Also, thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you had a lot uh, to take away from today's podcast. And for further information on what we've talked about, please head over to filecloud.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. And you can also follow the conversation on our social channels at EM360Tech on Twitter, also known now as X, and uh, as well as LinkedIn. And uh, for more great daily content, head over to EM360Tech.com. On behalf of Jason, I'm Zias Caravala saying thanks for listening. Certainly appreciate you, Jason, having you on today.